0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. After a bit of a hiatus, I'd say, Hayden Winkler and I are back. I am here with a man who no longer has to really worry about this virus because he has the antibodies. Hayden, are you feeling okay? How are we doing, man? I'm back
1: and better than ever. Um, fortunate to be back and better than ever. For uh, real? We'll, we'll be, obviously... Not a, a selfish jerk will be keeping my mask on and doing what I can, but living with the antibodies, of course.
0: Not going to be a Chris Collinsworth, I hear.
1: I, no, no. I, I will continue to be vigilant because, hey, I got I got lucky. I caught a fever for a few days. Mild cough. Nothing serious. Average sickness. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, doesn't go that way for everyone. So
0: For real. Yeah. No, yeah. Hayden Winkler got the bug. And, and this is a guy who, let me preface it by just vouching for you. This is a guy who took it very seriously, got the bug, and uh, was lucky enough to not face most of the symptoms. Uh, I doubt Sean Payton took it seriously, but neither did he face oh. the symptoms. Sean uh,
1: Payton does no, – never mind. I can't – I shouldn't say that. Are
0: you kidding uh, <laughs> me? Go ahead and say <laughs> Sean Payton's it. a
1: terrible person. Yes, sure he is. Um, anyway, I will say, folks, for all of our listeners out there, when you – Sit down with your buddies in isolation in your house and you have a wonderful Thanksgiving meal and you can't taste a lick of it. It is a bummer. Um, Are you serious? So, so, if nothing else, if nothing else, do it for your taste buds. <laughs> do it for you your really... sense of smell. Lost it completely. Couldn't taste Ow! it.
0: Wow. Rudy Continuing. Gobert, man. Like, that was the first report.
1: I know. I, and, and it's so, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Like, um, I'm trying to think of something that has a lot of flavor. Like, um, like I and could do sauce perfect i could eat a, a cranberry sauce and it tastes like wet paper
0: <laughs> it's oh nothing God.
1: it was nothing yeah
0: i can't even wrap my head because i mean i hear the reports about no taste no smell and and i think like i'm not even joking man like just now it really hit me like hearing you say cranberry sauce and wet paper
1: yep it's weird it's that's a weird sickness it's a weird sickness it was oh, so a weird. strange few days but we're out of it um you're and,
0: like a little mm. yeah
1: it's really? a fatigue. It's a fatigue thing. Like you just kind of are sleepy,
0: just running sounds, a fever. I mean, listen. Comparatively, we both know you're a lucky man. But absolutely, I, that sounds weird, man. That sounds weird, and, and not something that I would want to be doing. But hey, we're here. We're healthy. We're young, and we're lucky. And at the end of the day. We, we talk about the, the toy department of things. As I've heard, 94WIP, Joe Giulio, Jose, he, he called it – was, it was during the wake of, of the racial unrest this year. And he referred to talking about sports as the toy department. And I'll never forget it because I love it. It's so accurate. Brilliant. Um, and and I, you know what? That's what I choose to do. I choose to stay in the toy department. Why not? And we're going to roll with <laughs> because it. Because
1: it's miserable. Why not? Because it sucks. <laughs> because our lives are terrible even in the toy department anyway let's get into it
0: (laughs) listen man i'd rather have a miserable life in the toy department than a life anywhere else but man let's get into it we are dumpster divers but how can we not be we are in the philadelphia market we are philadelphia eagles fans and as of late this has turned into a a dumpster divers of the philadelphia eagles Appropriately named too. This and we haven't won. I can't dude, I can't even remember the last time we talked, but I'm pretty sure this team has not won since the last time we talked. And in fact, each loss has been worse than the next since we talked. Hey, is, is it safe to say that that we can put a fork as far as playoffs, as far as legitimate positives? We can put a fork in the season, yeah.
1: I hope so. I literally hope so. Um uh yeah. So, if I could do a thing yeah, exactly. um, in honor of the podcast. Oh, if, okay. Let's do a little Philadelphia sports thing. So, picture like um, an under-the-desk office trash can. Okay? That's the Flyers. That's the Flyers dumpster. Okay? And the Sixers hired a new coach. I are Brett Brown, guys. Whatever. But Sixers hired a new coach, hired Daryl Morey. They're like a, a kitchen-sized – that's a kitchen-sized trash. Okay? And under – the fill- wait,
0: wait. Is that under like – is it outside or do you have to like open the no, it no it's, for it?
1: No, it's out in the kitchen. It's it's your kitchen. It's kind of a it's a it's one of the larger trash cans in the all house. All right. But uh, but you I know, mean, it's
0: not I was just saying so that bad. because because in my mind, like if you have to pull like pull a drawer and have the trash can come out, like that's some fancy that's a fancy trash can. Like that's yeah, some that's, that's some Clippers, small. Lakers, like Yeah. All right.
1: Okay, but then there's the Phillies, right? And the Phillies are are what you get when you drive to, like, yeah, any any local large building, like a school or, like, a, a shopping center. You, that's a dumpster. The, the, Linden,
0: th- the Linden dumpster.
1: Exactly. The Phillies are the classic dumpster. And somehow, I didn't think it could get worse than the Phillies, who are not going to re-sign J.T. Romuto, um, you know, those pods, you know, the, the pod, the company with the, the industrial waste size trailers that oh, yeah. you throw houses out into. Oh yeah. That is our Philadelphia Eagles. That is the size of the dumpster that we have to dive into. How we ended up here is, is tragic. Um, and I hate, I hate them so much. It's, it's unbearable. I despise them. They're huge. That's a massive dumpster. And it, in, in reality, is it worse than the Phillies? Yeah. I think I, – I actually think it might be, which is horrible because you look around and you realize just how awful the Phillies is as a situation, um, which we should talk about. Um, but, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, those are our dumpster sizes that we're living with. It's miserable. It's miserable. Can't now, believe we're here.
0: Before we even dive into the Philadelphia football Eagles, Hayden, now, listen, my Twitter bio says I can eat crow better than the next guy, but I'm putting you – right on the spot, I'm jumping right into it, man. When this podcast was created, I, I almost feel as if out of the birth of this podcast, you tied yourself to one original take. And, and, and for those viewers who are not here, like who cannot see us, Hayden is making a face as if he knows what I'm about to say. Hayden Winkler said he tied himself to Howie freaking Roseman. Now, welcome to the electric chair, my friend. It is, it is doomsday, and I'm giving you the floor to defend yourself because you have said yourself, if there's anything I'm going to tie myself to, it is Howie Roseman. And man, oh man, I, I, I genuinely feel bad for you because I think you know it. That's yeah. the one thing you can't be tied to right now. I want to just give you the floor, hear what you have to say about Howie Roseman right now. Let's just get right into it.
1: Okay. Okay. Howie Roseman is, is we all, we, it's no secret any Eagles fan who listens to this knows that when the NFL draft rolls around, it is misery. When this passed, when a, when a, when a 2020 NFL draft occurred, the absolute hitting of the fan that happened when and how people addressed Howie Roseman because of it did not sit well with me. At the time, I loved Howie Roseman's draft. I get it that Jalen Hurts was an unconventional pick. And maybe it was a bad pick. Like, there's a good chance it was a bad pick. And we could get into the Hurts disaster. That's also Doug Peterson's fault. Um, we could get into that at some point. But I, I looked at the draft. I had faith in Jalen Rager, and I still do. I still have faith in Jalen Rager. I get it. Jefferson, whatever. Hard, hard, hard to live with that reality, but I still have faith in Jalen Rager. Davion Taylor, Kayvon Wallace, Jalen Hurts. I have faith in all of these players. Hightower. I even have faith in Hightower and, and they were like, we're short on a receiver. We don't have anything. And he goes out and swipes Marquise Goodwin, who's a good player, NFL quality, good receiver who sits the year out for COVID-19 for safety reasons. And everyone was freaking out about how much they hated Howie Roseman. And, and I get it. I don't think – I think for culture, he should not be the GM next year. And I would get it if they moved on from him, and I wouldn't really complain. And I get that people don't like his drafting record. But looking at how this team is built in perfect health, I don't think it's a bad team. And I get it how you don't have the depth. I get that you don't have the depth. Or maybe it is a bad team, but I think the way it was assembled was not originally that awful. And I do think that the way the team has been coached has not helped Howie Roseman's case. Um, and I get that I think he should probably lose his job just for the sake of the team. I, but I think to only crucify Howie and no one else is a mistake because I don't, necessarily think anyone beneath Howie Roseman gave him any help with the team that he built. Um, And I will not go to my grave defending Howie Roseman anymore. I still don't hate him. I think he could land another NFL job, but I also would understand, I understand the people calling for his head. Um, But I think there was a time, especially when the pod started that I was more willing to defend him. And now I look around and the team's a disaster. The team is the worst thing of all time. And I think he should lose his job for that. Um, but I think this healthy team on paper, I can't necessarily fault him for trying to
0: go forward with it.
1: That's my take. That's my take.
0: Wow. That might be one of the longest, best monologues in this podcast's short history. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. It's tough. Appropriately so, considering in this short podcast history, that's the biggest take you have set yourself to, and and Hayden, I, I gotta give credit, man. You did a you did a decent job defending the original take and also contextualizing what the original take was born out of. Now, let's let's just let's just break it down a little bit because Hayden. Now, I, as your friend and as your co-host, I don't want to admit this, but. I have many. I have other shows. I have other times where my my voice is on the air and my takes are public. Hayden, hey, I'm one of those people who am I'm putting this all on Howie Roseman, and, and 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 I think yeah, yeah, I think it's it's fair to a certain extent because I also I'm one of the first people who dish out credit to Howie where it's due. Travis Fulgum, that's a Howie's find, great gem, and and I blame Doug Peterson a little bit, but I think. Excuse me. I blame Doug Peterson for throwing Alshon Jeffrey out there, but I think a little bit, there's a little bit to look at uh, the, the the top, the Howie and the Jeffrey Lory. Now, obviously us as fans, us as as non-insiders, we don't really have any idea what's going on behind closed doors. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, well, that's, that's
1: always been my argument. I, I think people that think they know what GMs of sports teams are doing are morons. Like we don't know any, but right. uh, sorry, continue.
0: No, no, yeah, no, that's a fair take. I mean, unless your name's Adam Barry, you know, Schefter, you know, like yeah. you don't really know Adam Barry. Sorry. Let me just say, I said Adam Berry. That's the <laughs> Temple University bunker.
1: <laughs> you've, uh, you've narrowed down your work. <laughs> you got Temple football yeah. on the brain.
0: And I just said Adam Berry when I was just thinking of what was it Matt Berry, Adam Schefter, yeah, yeah. All right. I I combined the two, in an equal Temple University football specialty. A
1: football superhuman, a football reporting superhuman, Adam, Adam Barry. Barry
0: <laughs> who also makes a a decent uh, collegiate kicker. I mean punter, but <laughs> anyways. Like, like, set aside these people who think they are Adam Schefter or Matt Berry, these, these football insiders who actually know what's going on. I, I just, this, this season, it screams to me too many cooks in the kitchen in the sense where there's not one person who's got executive power with the Eagles. I don't mean literally like there's too many cooks. Like, it's clear there's three guys who are making decisions. There are three cooks, yeah. <laughs> there are three cooks. It's not like there's so many cooks. It's just these three cooks... It seems like no one really knows who's the head chef. And, and this all came down to the Monday night football game against the Seahawks. Now, this is a game where I actually predicted the Eagles to win. How much I truly believe that prediction, who knows? Yeah. But I think there was some legitimate sentiment to my prediction. And, and listen, I predicted a 23-26 ball game. Now, the Seahawks scored 23 points. And, and that's why when I look back on this game, I, I'm pretty pissed off because the Eagles were simply like, if the Eagles ran the ball five times in the first quarter, I genuinely feel like that game could have ended 26 to 23. But that's beside the point. The point well, is
1: that might well, not be beside the point later if we get into an argument. Of course, of but course, but continue. Course.
0: <laughs> but but that's not the point I'm trying to make right now. The point I'm trying to make right now is the fact that Jalen Hurts was taking quarterback one snaps during practice leading into this week by all accounts. Like this is not something that came from Elliot Shore Parks, from from you know a local Philadelphia Eagles reporter. Like this was national media. This was multiple reporters reporting Jalen Hurts is taking snaps as quarterback one. Now what that says to me is that Doug Peterson, the coach, is putting Jalen Hurts in the situation to take snaps as quarterback one. I like I almost feel as if there's nothing else you can take that as because. Whatever, like, what happens on Sunday slash Monday, because we're talking on, about a Monday night football game, but you understand what I'm saying. Well, what happens on Sunday, you know, what happens on game day, you, that might be a decision that is influenced by the owner, that is influenced by the general manager. But trying out Jalen Hurts at quarterback one during your practice, to me, that seems like a decision that is being made by your head coach. The fact that Jalen Hurts took one snap, did that, I'm sorry, two snaps, One was a handoff to Miles Sanders. The other was the out route to Alshon Jeffery that looked beautiful.
1: Our only play of more than five yards of the quarter.
0: Exactly. (laughs) That is exactly what I'm getting at. Is Jalen Hurts makes – we've all seen it. You know, this this is coming out on a Saturday. You know, I know. We've all seen it. But what I'm saying is what that tells me is this is not just Doug Peterson because I think – I really firmly believe if this was up to Doug Peterson, Jalen Hurts would have gotten more snaps – on that Monday night football game. And there are so many conflicting reports about, oh, you know, Lurie says if Hurts is good, put Hurts in. And you hear this report about Lurie storming out of practice, and it's just such crap. It's just such mumbo-jumbo surrounding this terrible football team. And Hayden, I got to tell you, man, I really firmly believe that Doug Peterson wants Jalen Hurts to get reps at quarterback because he believes that once is struggling Wentz is not the quarterback that he used to be, and he's getting word from Howie Roseman. And, and maybe it's not Howie Roseman. I'm willing to be wrong about Howie. But I, I just, I'm just thinking that Doug wants to try out Jalen Hurts, and he's getting word from above that, no, we've committed to this Wentz guy. We've got our money in Wentz. We've we put everything in Wentz. You've got to keep playing him until we're mathematically eliminated. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, can you? Can yeah,
1: you- no, absolutely. And it's actually a perspective I didn't consider. I thought the Hurts disaster, I was blaming on Doug. I was blaming the, the two snaps he took the only positive play of six yards and then taking him out right away. I was blaming that on Doug. Cause I think more that that is Doug's decision in game. Who's who, like what personnel is playing, who's going out on the field that feels like a Doug thing to me at the same time. If I put myself in Howie Roseman's shoes and I made the investment that I made in Carson Wentz. Yeah. I want him to play. I want him to play. Like, I made that investment. He needs to go out there and be better. Um, which is why, like, and, and you talk about the disaster with Jeffrey Lurie, which is sad because in all of the years where the Eagles have been disasters and the weird decisions they've made and the weird Eagles things that have happened throughout the years, I think Jeffrey Lurie is a good owner. Um, and I, I have faith in him. Um, so it's, it kind of sucks to see him, like, get roped into this disaster. And, like, they talked about how he missed the game in Cleveland that's a side point. He was like trying to protect his grandmother who he was yeah. going to see on Thanksgiving. And they made this whole talking point about how he missed the game. That made me so mad. Like leave Jeffrey Lurie out of it. I, I do think it's Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman. And if it comes down to it and neither of them keep their jobs, I won't complain. Uh, but I am I, my, you know, and it, it's from maybe from a personal bias, my leash for Howie Roseman is longer than it is for Doug Peterson, probably. And I'm, I'm pissed off at Doug. I, I, I really am. I don't like Doug Peterson. Because when it comes down to it, say what you will, I don't think Howie Roseman is a good drafter. Howie Roseman built a team that has Miles Sanders on it. It's up to Doug Peterson to use him. Howie Roseman made the mistake of extending Alshon Jeffrey and paying him too much money. I get it. It's a horrible contract. It's maybe the worst contract in football, except for now Wentz's, Uh, but, and I get it. And these are these disasters are why I'm not going to like necessarily die on the Howie Roseman Hill. It's Doug Peterson's decision to play him over Travis Fulham. Yeah. And it's just like Doug, it's Doug Peterson's decision. What, what plays are called on offense now? Well, He, he, I mean, he can't do anything. He and I, well,
0: no, I won't disagree with that.
1: He's horrible. I mean, he's horrible, and and maybe Howie is too. And I'm okay with that. I well, think I think both of them need to go. I really do.
0: Geez, man, you are you are ready. And, and listen, this you're team's not. It's a disaster. This no, team I'm is here. a disaster. You're not alone. I, I you are not alone by any means. There are a lot of people who believe that Howie and Doug both need to go. But I just wanted to touch on that Alshon point real quick. Because that's another one of those things where, where I find myself here saying, listen, I am not in that locker room. I am not Adam Schefter, Matt Berry, Adam Berry. Like, I, like that's, that's another one of those things where I have to wonder, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, they're looking at their Excel sheet of, the, this is the amount of money we're losing this year to these people. Alshon Jeffrey is at that top of the list of people where, oh, we're playing this guy, what, seven, eight, more million I, man i'm not contracts guy okay but i know yeah, that alshon jeffrey disgusting. is getting <laughs> right exactly yeah, yeah. I, like i can't come up with the exact amount of money alshon's getting paid off the top of my head i know it's a disgusting amount okay so howie roseman and jeffrey laurie like the, the guys where it's coming out of their own pockets they're looking at that number and they're saying listen doug alshon's getting paid x amount of dollars i don't care if Fulgum's better alshon better be playing football for us on sundays so like I hear what you're saying, man. But like, I just have to wonder, is there something else going on? And, and, and maybe that's me because I've admitted it. I will be the first guy to rush to Doug Peterson's defense. Well,
1: maybe, that, maybe that's literally the dichotomy we've reached in this podcast. Because what we've both admitted is we don't necessarily know who's making the decisions. And your leash is longer for Doug and my leash is longer for Howie. And they are at this time in competition with each other basically, which is a horrible way for a franchise to run. But we got to, we got to, we got to point the finger at someone. And I think you and I point the finger sort of at different people.
0: So yeah, like, like Hayden, what I'm I'm saying is like Hayden, like gun to your head here. There is no division of blame. You have to put 125% blame on one person in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Who are you putting it on? Because I'll say it right now. It's Howie Roseman for me. It's it's, the question is one guy got to go. It's not, oh, it's Doug's fault and it's Howie's fault. It's Hayden. You got to just take it all, throw any previous love and takes out the window. Be with me today. And you got to put all your blame on one of those guys and say, that guy got to go. Who is it? Because I'm saying right now, Hayden, Doug Peterson took this team to the promised land. Whether you want to give the credit to Frank Reich, whether you want to give the credit to Nick Foles, and you can give the credit to Frank Reich. What I'm saying is you cannot dis, not dis, what's the the word I'm looking for? You cannot belittle, yeah, you cannot belittle the fact that there is a, an accolade next to Doug Peterson's name, no matter where he goes. When he, if he gets fired by the Eagles this season, he's going to fire up that resume. And it's going to say, Doug Peterson, 2017 Super Bowl winning head coach. And I think that means a world. Because living in the city, I, I admit it, I'm young. 20 years old for being an Eagles fan? That is absurdly young. And you know it too, because we've heard so many times, just give me one in Super Bowl. All yeah. I need is one. Just give me okay. one. He was <laughs> the guy. All that crap. And you get the one Super Bowl, and what is it, three, four years later, the same coach who brought you that Super Bowl, you're ready to just ship them off and out? Now, and Hayden, look, I live and breathe. That guy sucks. That guy sucks at play calling. Doug Peterson sucks as an offensive coordinator. But the same week that we're recording this podcast, Doug Peterson has also said he is willing to give up the play calling. He has finally said it. He's willing to give up the play calling. And to me, that is huge. And that is another reason why I I am putting it all on Howie. I'm putting you in a tough spot. I know. I know you got to put it all on one person. Who is it going to be? I,
1: okay. Here's another part of this argument. I think if you're going to assign the blame to one person, not in terms of Eagles, not in terms of the two specific men we're talking about, it makes more sense to put it on a GM than a coach. And I think that's why I get your argument and I'm Howie guy more than I am Doug guy. And I do, I do still believe in this sort of Doug Peterson esque attitude that won a Super Bowl. I believe in this Doug Peterson esque innovation of football. I do think he's a great football mind. I think, I, I think maybe like maybe the league figured him out. I think losing Frank Reich hurt for sure. Um, and if he's willing to give up the play call, that's one thing. But I think when it comes down to the argument that we're having, if you're looking at the structure of an NFL team and you have to pick one person, if your franchise is a disaster, then it's the GM. And like, that might be a pretty solid argument against Howie Roseman. I don't think. Hmm. hmm. I, I think that both of them will remain no matter what happens. Both of them will remain in the NFL and both of them could be successful without each other. I do think it's a dichotomy that can no longer exist in harmony. Um, so I think to point a finger at one person, it's hard not to say the GM. So maybe Howie. Um, but, I, like, if I'm firing Howie Roseman and not Doug Peterson, we better go – we better go 14-2 and two next year. Like, we better be insane. If you're going to fire Howie Roseman and keep Doug Peterson around, he better absolutely – kill it because i'm sick of him i i can't stand the man i look at him and i feel anger and i feel like he's checked out i feel like he's checked out i don't think it's even the same doug peterson as 2017 2018 it feels like a different guy um so if you want to i think if you if you get rid of only one i wouldn't pick howie maybe not but i absolutely understand why you would and i think it makes more sense than picking the head coach but i i swear i literally swear if they fire only Howie and not Doug and we don't win the division by a landslide and walk through the playoffs, then get rid of both of them. If you get rid of both of them, go six and 10 for what like I care and start over. I don't care. I'll, I'm watching this. If I can stomach this, I can stomach anything. This, is the, this isn't even football. This is worse than football. This is, this is okay. Worse than football. Football's good. This is worse than, this is worse than, I don't even know what this is horrible. It's, it's middle school football. It's terrible. It is so far from the standard of the NFL. I hate it so much. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them both go and just starting over. But if you only if you only and you know what, I'll I'll make it a two way street to not put too much pressure on Doug. If you only pick one and not the other, that other person that stays in Philadelphia. Oh my god, he has to he has to be perfect. So get rid of them both. Like that, that, that's, that might be my take is get rid of them both. And I absolutely see what you mean. That, that pointing the finger at one person that makes more sense for it to be Howie Roseman. Um, because maybe Doug still has something in his back pocket that, that was that magic that he had all along. And I, I could believe in that. I think Howie's been good at his job other than the NFL draft. I get it. DK Metcalf, don't talk to me anymore about I don't care. I don't care, okay? I don't want to talk about that anymore. It's over. What's done is done. I don't think Howie Roseman is terrible at his job, but I don't think either of them should be in Philadelphia next year.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, listen, I was really putting the pressure on. I wanted to hear you say it. If I'm going to be like, I wanted it. Like that's what I was getting at. And, and you bit, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate the honesty. And, and now that I got the truth out, because I think, I mean, it was unavoidable, man. It was really unavoidable. Like Howie Roseman has done, and I understand why you like Howie Roseman. I want to give you credit for your for your love of Howie. Real quick, think let's he has go a over. Big brain.
1: I really think he has a big brain. Listen, I really do.
0: I think he's got a big brain, but I also think that's the reason why he's so terrible. Like, he's got a big brain in the sense where, man, I friggin love Alex Singleton. He is literally my favorite Philadelphia Eagle in the year 2020. I say that without hesitation. I say that without doubt. I freaking love Alex Singleton. I love Travis Fulgham. I think him playing bad is solely a result of Alshon Jeffrey coming back. I really do. Like, I think there's some people who are, like, making nothing out of Alshon coming back and saying, well, it's not Travis Fulgham's fault that Alshon's coming back. The guy got healthy. No. Like, look at the Sixers, you know? Like, I think with the Sixers, there's a certain mentality where you look at the older guys or you look at the more – the more, uh, the guys, the more pedigree. And you say, all right, those guys are the ones who deserve the shot. A la shake Milton, you know, like shake Milton might get on the court and say, well, you know, Simmons is on the court with me. Simmons wants the ball first. And, and he's, he's an alpha in practice. So I'm going to pass the ball off to him. I feel as if that might come off with Alshon, the way it comes up, like Fulgan's a guy from old dominion. You know what I mean? Like if you're a guy yeah. from old dominion, no matter how you've done in this year, when you're going right next to a guy at like Alshon Jeffrey, you're going to, you know, be like, all right, Alshon, you've been around,
1: right? Like, Not even just for the Eagle. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey's been a good NFL yeah, wide receiver in his career,
0: right. yeah. So, like, to me, like that—that that is baffling to me. And and I touched on it earlier about how I think how we might be talking. And, and you said it where you were like, "This year's worse than football," and and then you corrected yourself because football's great. <laughs> but like, no, I know what you mean because if this was just football, Travis Fulgham would be playing. And Alshon Jeffrey wouldn't. He we would be, we be the NFL. Probably
1: in an interesting division-like seeding race if we could this, play football. This, football.
0: this isn't football. This is a business. This is the NFL. And, and we know that. And I know when we talk about it, we would love to talk about it as if it was just football. But I think we both know that's, that's not the reality. The reality right. is this is a business. And that is why the Philadelphia Eagles look the way they do. And for years and years, the Philadelphia Eagles have built themselves on being, oh, you know, Philadelphia's team, the hard-nosed. We're going to give tryouts. Oh, Vince Papaldi, come mm-hmm. join our team. We're, we're the hard-nosed Eagles. And now you get an accountant like Howie Roseman. You but get, Howie's had
1: his job for a while.
0: Howie's had his job for a while, and he's had the luxury of having a competitive Football team at his disposal now. After years and years of being the general manager, after years and years of making bad draft picks, this is the result. You know, because there's like Hayden, and and I get why you've been Howie oh guy because I've been with you in the same sentiment. Look at guys like Fulgham. Look at guys like Singer. Cravon LeBlanc. Cravon LeBlanc. Look at this Super Bowl year. This you do not win the Super Bowl year without Howie Roseman. I think people need to take a step back and say that to themselves, because it's, it's very easy to just jump on Howie for all these bad moves. But all that being said, 2017 is a perfect example of the best-case scenario. He made these risky moves, and they panned out. The, but the, the, the difference is, they haven't panned out since. And the guys he got in 2017 were guys who were old. I mean, there were a bunch of guys who retired right after that 2017 year. Torrey Smith. J.J.
1: LeGarrette Blount.
0: It, yeah, I mean, oh, my God. What, Chris Jones? Who's the defensive end? How, oh, no, no, no. Chris Jones. Chris, Chris Long. Chris, Chris Long. Howie long son. Chris yeah. Jones. Goodness me. <laughs> Anyways. DJ <laughs> 2K. <laughs> Anywho, uh, um, but, like, you get what I'm saying where it's, like, Howie Roseman, like, you were talking about a little, where there is definitely a place for him in the NFL. Like, I, it's easy for us Philadelphia fans to be so hard on him and listening to the radio. I, I hear it. Everyone just hates him. But I, I want to give you credit for tying yourself to the Howie train. Like it, it is not without merit. It is not a random shot in the dark. And, and I think Travis Fulgham and Alex Singleton and even Marquise Goodwin, they are perfect
1: examples. I love the Marquis Goodwin trade. I, I thought that was I genius. Too. I thought he was such a I, – I remember posting on Instagram <laughs> because everyone was crying all week about how much they hated Howie, and he went out and traded, like, nothing for Marquis Goodwin. I was like, e- eat this. Like, literally consume it with your brain and eat it because the man – I and the man had his moments, and I, I think he has a big brain. But, no, you, you I mean I, – and I think – the problem is, I think Howie. Let's set his draft record aside. I know it's bad, and you and that can't,
0: though, like that's one of like. But, but let's no, just just conversationally. All right, Of course, of
1: not course. in terms of the Eagles. Just conversationally, right. he has made a small number outside of the NFL draft of bad choices, and I believe that those bad choices are enough for him to lose his job. The Alshon Jeffrey contract, keeping Zach Ertz around. End of list, maybe. Maybe end of list. Carson Wentz contract? No, no. Because when they signed Carson Wentz to that contract, he was still the Messiah.
0: And, and that's, that's fair what to is, say. But you know, what else, you know what else is fair to say, though? Because, like, I don't disagree with you, but you know what else is fair to say? If they tra- – like, a- and, and let me just preface this by saying I do not – like, I am not an endorser of this, but I'm just saying, if you want to take that argument, you can flip it right around and say, well, at the end of 2017, you could have traded Carson Wentz for three – maybe four first-round picks. But
1: they no they weren't going to do that. Shut That's up. just not realistic. It's just not realistic. And I get it. It's a talking point. But no, you were never going to do that. Did the, the amount of picks you sent to get the second overall I agree. Pick and, and the way Wentz played? No, you were never. And Nick Foles, I'm going to speak against our, our guy. He's oh, not yeah, good. No, no, no. Speak he's not me. good. He's not a good quarterback. I mean, he, you're right. He's our hero. All hail Nick Foles forever. Love Gordon. the man. Love the man for the rest of our lives. Great, amazing man. He's not. No, no. The right choice was sticking with Carson.
0: And I, I can't disagree. I'm we just all, playing.
1: Everyone who was smart agreed with that. And you agreed with Like, you I, are smart. I, I you agreed with that.
0: Man. I, I would wish nothing more than Carson Wentz to be a playable quarterback. Like, not yeah. even anything special. Just be, be the
1: 15th best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Why not?
0: And, and and I mean, look, we both fall in the same camp right here. I mean, Carson Wentz is like the thirty-first best quarterback in the NFL. He sucks. He sucks, sucks so bad. He sucks. Oh. oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I, I refrained from swearing or anything like that, but Carson Wentz kind of brought it out of me, just there. Oh my goodness. He's terrible. He's terrible. And and, and I think worst just, of all, worst it's of all just is a
1: dumpster. It's so it's everyone has to go. Everyone has everyone got to go. You can New vouch.
0: Success. You can vouch how much I wanted Carson Wentz to be good, right? Oh, of course, of course. Okay good because i mean recently so now and recently more than ever my voice has been getting out there and 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 of course i am critical as hell of carson Wentz. i've done been critical as hell of carson Wentz all this year and that comes as a product of loving carson Wentz for the last three years
1: oh, dude i want no i i we wish the best like i i'd give him a big hug if i could and just say you. i want what's best for you i don't hate the man i want not more than anything for him to be good but he sucks I mean, yeah, we'll I, so, I'm so with you there. I'm so with
0: you there. Look, I, I, I'm ready to move on for the Eagles really, real quick. But we got to touch briefly on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Browns game going into it. I mean, that game, it was what it was. Yeah. That, that game, let, let me say something real quick about the last two games because I think you'll 100% agree with me. Now, Carson Wentz played terribly in both games. Mm-hmm. That existing – both of those games were extremely winnable.
1: Oh, and, for sure.
0: And I think it comes down to one player, Miles Sanders. Why on earth are you not giving the ball to Miles Sanders more? I, Hayden, I firmly believe that Miles Sanders has the potential to be, wait for it, drum roll the best running back in the NFC East. The best running back to come out of Penn State in the NFL. Best I think Miles Sanders – genuinely has the potential to be better than Saquon Barkley.
1: I think Miles Sanders has the potential to be better than LaShawn McCoy. I think Miles Sanders could be the best running back in the Eagles history. I mean, like, now listen, listen. Nah, hey, nah. Because, because the standard is low. You look at the uh, – I actually did this research. You look at the numbers. I was about to say that. If you look at the numbers, Shady is the best ever. And I know the instinct is to say Brian Westbrook. And no disrespect to those two, Eagles legends. But, man – what are they doing to Miles Sanders? The, the, he's amazing. He's amazing. He, and he, fought, he coughs up the ball at the worst time every time. Like Who the Browns, cares? The Browns game fumble in the end goal situation was just like, oh, that's brutal. After he, But he took us down the field that whole – he and, was we were in the end goal uh, situation.
0: I'm sorry. Any fumble that, that is done in a, quote, wintry mix? Like, yeah. that Browns game is played in a windy – Playing without
1: gloves. Mix? Yeah.
0: Like, come yeah. on, man. He's like, so good. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He, he
1: could literally be as good as Shady McCoy. He could. He, I think yeah, he, he, he kind better. of plays like him. He plays like And I agree. I think he could be better. He's, he is clearly so good. And, man, where's the play calling for him? Is that – that's Doug Peterson. That's Doug Peterson. Right. Run the ball. Where's the uh, – the other question is where's the thunder? Right? We have the lightning. Man, uh, hey, hey, say what you will. The Eagles and Doug Peterson specifically have made it work. The thunder and lightning. You have the lightning with, with Miles Sanders. Get a power back. Get like when, when I'll say what you will about Jordan Howard. When Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders were spelling each other at halfback, that worked like that. There were many, many times where that worked. Give me a little thunder and lightning back. Like, Get a balance of power football and and a, an elusive back, and let him go to work. Let him catch the ball. Throw it to him if you want to. I don't care. Miles Sanders. Get him in the open field. It, yeah, you're right, man. You're right. He 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 literally could be the difference between games that we've won and lost.
0: It's true. It's so true. And and let me just I will say though. I mean, look, Miles Sanders has had some bad drops. In sure. the last few games. He's made some mistakes. He yeah. you
1: know, fumbles the drops. It's it kiss, but you got oh. to you gotta keep going to him. You got to keep going to him.
0: Yeah. You got to, you got to keep going to him and fumbles is one of those things where it's like, Oh, it's inexcusable. Uh, Carson Wentz at a point, mm. had more fumbles than any NFL player. Dude, like at a certain point of in time. Inexcusable. Right. You want to talk about inexcusable. That's what I'm saying. Okay.
1: Dude, so, can you name another player on the Eagles? Like, if you're if you're at your 10 yard line and you need a chunk play, we're not it's this is this is the reality we've been. The chunk play is not through the air. The best chance we have at a chunk play is Miles Sanders on the ground. True. And that's sad. That's a sad statement about our team. It shouldn't be that way, but it is that way.
0: I mean and 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 to go further about that statement is is like how true that is. And even how true that is. Let's look at how the Eagles started their Monday night football game against the Seahawks. They get a first and five. They start the game off with a first and five. So right away, it's just like, all right, put the ball in the belly of your good running back, your good young running back. You have five yards, three downs to get five yards. If you run the ball three times, you're going to get five yards. And they pass the ball three times in a row. And and let me just real quick go over those three passes. On the first possession against the Seahawks, you get a pass. I think it was like an out route or, or a curl to the outside, a, a drop ball. Not a terrible throw by Wentz. Not a great throw by Wentz. The ball was dropped. Tough coverage, whatever. Second pass, a slant route to Greg Ward over the middle, which was, as I described, the football equivalent to missing a wide open transition layup. <laughs> Greg Ward was uncovered five yards from the line of scrimmage right over the middle for a slant route, and Carson Wentz made a terrible throw. And the third pass, I almost want to say it was to Greg Ward again. but I, don't, I love Greg Which Ward. Which
1: one was – Al- Alshon was one of them. Al- there was an Alshon drop. Was that first down? I thought it
0: was first down.
1: Okay. Alshon
0: yeah. was either first or third down. Yeah. Long story short, third down, man was open. He was a little bit covered, but once made the throw, it was a drop. Three downs, three passes, no completions, a punt, the Seahawks proceeded to get the ball. They drove down the field to the two-yard line. Now, the defense stopped them, but that's not the point I'm making here. The point I'm making here – Do
1: we need to spend 15 minutes talking about Derek Barnett?
0: N- no. <laughs> we don't need to spend a second talking about Derek. <laughs> for, for one reason or another. Yeah, but, no. But, but the reason – but what I'm saying is the Eagles came out with a first and five, an absolute gift of a first and five, proceeded to pass the ball three times, The play calling is disastrous. The quarterback play is disastrous. The receiver play is disastrous. The offensive line play is not that bad. I'll say it started
1: disastrous, but honestly has stopped becoming the only thing you can blame. Right.
0: The offensive play is not that bad. And yet, Hayden, Carson Wentz remains the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. I will say that. And you want,
1: did you want, I mean, you watch the ESPN Monday Night Crew be like, look at this throw he had that he could have had for a touchdown, and he didn't do it. What is wrong with him? Just be normal.
0: And to further back up the point, like, I like, I've prefaced this before. You've prefaced this before by saying, like, you and I, we are idiots. You know, we don't know what's going on. We don't
1: know shit. (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) We don't know anything. We don't know anything. But, but like, we watch football. Well, just like everyone else who's listening to this, I'm sure, we watch football and we watch it and we see the left end blow by the right tackle and start running right at the quarterback. And we see all these other quarterbacks also see the left end blow back the right tackle and step up in the pocket, run for three yards, throw the ball away, find a check down. And I'm watching this Monday night football game with Carson Wentz and I see, sure enough, the left end blows by the left tackle. I see the defensive tackle blow by the left guard. You name it, all right? Mm-hmm. And, and I give the Eagles offensive line credit because they're, no, they're not elite, but they're also not Yo, elite. Yeah,
1: what are they supposed to do? Perfect protection every play? What, like, you need that every play to do he, anything?
0: Right. Carson Wentz 110%. He holds on to the ball. He holds on to the ball. And, and that's coming from me watching the games. No expert. I don't sit here with a stopwatch. I'm watching the game, and I see a left end coming in clear as day. Dude, Carson. Throw the ball away, and he just takes it. Remember when he ran? Remember when he tucks it and runs and gets 15 yards? Just do that. Do that at least. Run the ball. You're
1: a good athlete. That's Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz can run the ball. That's what he can do. Just go.
0: Take off. And, Hayden, what what scares me the most is, I mean, like, look, this isn't even rocket science, what I'm saying. This isn't even statistically based. This isn't a scout talking to you. I've noticed that the best quarterbacks in the NFL—they've got a knack for pocket awareness, and they always know how to step up in the pocket, climb the pocket, as they say. They step up in the pocket and make the big throw, you know, like a good three-point shooter gets the pass outside of the key and he steps into the three-point shot. I have not seen Carson Wentz do that one time this season, and that's and one Carson of the things. Carson used to
1: be the, one of the best at it.
0: Exactly, that's literally, one of the things. He really was
1: a model of how to do that.
0: That is one of the things that made me so inspired by Carson Wentz's young play, even with the mistakes. Yeah. Even when he would do he something so wrong. so good at that. Exactly. Yeah. The knock on Carson Wentz when he was in his, first, when his early days was he would keep the play alive to a fault. And I would scoff at that. I'd say, I mean, like, sure, that's true, but I'd like to have that problem. now. Yeah. He's kept the play alive. I feel like I can count it on my fingers like four times. And, and every time I can think back on those four times, he threw a pick immediately after. Yeah. This guy.
1: Fumbled, threw a pick, got sacked. It's one of them. One of those three things that he does all the time.
0: He's broken, Hayden. I really feel as if he's broken. And I, I got to look. And it's not like I'm saying this baselessly. We watched that Seahawks game where he got his head smashed in. Mm. The guy has had his head smashed in. Mm. He has had his ACL torn. And he's had his back broken that is like to me that is as bad as it gets for a quarterback a young quarterback who played fcs football mind you and not that i was big on that coming into this it's just when you look at his body of work and 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 like i i got it like there's an article from nj.com coming out saying that doug peterson in this offense has reverted back to a rookie quarterback offense just to simplify things try to get carson back and you see what happens on Monday night. You see what happens against the, the Browns. This guy seems broken to me. Like if, it's if not it, the
1: same. It can't be the same. Like it, it doesn't be, make yeah. sense for it to be the same Carson. It doesn't make sense for it to be the same guy. He's he. Everything is different. His demeanor. Like it's just like, and and you know what? You know what does not sit well with me. You know a quarterback showing frustration when he screws up doesn't change him screwing up. Like Philip Rivers. Right. Car- Carson Wentz goes out there, throws a pick. Let's say he rips his chin strap off and throws his helmet on the sideline. That doesn't change that he threw a pick. Yeah. But it shows that he cares. It shows that that bothers him. Carson Wentz goes three and out time and time again, sacked all the time, throws picks, gives the ball away, three and out, three and out, turnover, three and out. And he just kind of is like, yeah, I'm going to head back to the sideline and just sit here. It's like he's got – there's nothing. There's no flame there's nothing. And you're right. Maybe he is broke. It's just not the same guy. He, he, the skills, what made him great is gone. And now it's just like only faults. And it's like, I don't know. I think anyone can test this. It feels weird. It's like too much. Cause you know, every quarterback goes through some whatever, you know what I mean? Every team goes through some, whatever, this is too much. Like this is too weird. It, it can't, it, it just can't continue and it will for the rest of the season. But oh my God, it can't. If this goes in the next season, like this is this is calamity level for a, an NFL franchise. If this carries over for another season, I mean, this is like there are a lot of bad football teams. There have been a lot of bad football teams in history. But any bad football team can get a first down. You know what I mean? The zero yeah, sixteen Lions. The Owen sixteen Lions could get a first down. And we. I mean, it, there are times you go out there question, We can't do anything we look worse than the old 16 lions. It's like, this is, I mean, it is a nightmare. It is like, it is like, please stop. Like, when does this stop? And there's, there's just no one i would say this is, I mean, it's a disaster. It is just, this is why it goes back to the point we started with everyone has to go. It just can't, it can't go on like this. It's just, and it's, it starts somewhere and wherever it starts, it continues into other sections of the team. I mean, it's, Maybe it's, maybe it's Brandon Brooks. I've asserted many times that Brandon Brooks is the most important player on the Eagles, I, and I I stand by it. I think Brandon Brooks is the most important player on the Eagles, and maybe it's maybe it's all because he's not able to be on the field.
0: I thought um, about that recently. I really. God, did. he's
1: so good. He's so important. I wish he could play. I love Brandon Brooks. I love that guy. I sucks. It's, it's not fun. It's not fun. It's not worthwhile. Who, what do we play? What, who do we play against? The Saints now? Packers? Who do we have? Packers. Yeah, I, say, I don't that's know. Awesome. But it's that's great. Packers. I can't, can't freaking wait to play the
0: Packers. Can't wait to play Aaron Rodgers. And, and by the way, Aaron Rodgers has gotten to that point of his career where I almost can't feel, I almost don't feel like it's real. Like, the fact that I'm saying, like, like Jalen Mills is going to have to cover a player that's getting thrown to by Aaron Rodgers, it almost doesn't feel real. Like Aaron Rodgers has reached that point in his career where like his level is so elevated. Yeah. The fact that Jalen Mills has to cover someone that Aaron Rodgers is throwing to blows my mind. The one thing that makes me feel good going into this Sunday is Darius Slay on Devontae Adams. And let me tell you why, just real quick. Darius Slay on DK Metcalf played one of the worst games I've ever seen. And, all, I
1: mean, it's a lot to ask of Darius Oh, Slay. no, no, he, no. Don't get me wrong. He played poorly. He played poorly, sure. but it's a lot to ask.
0: Right, right, right. And Darius, I, I mean, listening to him in, in the media, listening to him on the radio, that guy, I mean, he's, he's actually a stand-up guy, and I give him a lot of credit for Love it. Love
1: Darius Slay. Love Darius Slay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to, to, to say a bad word about Darius Slay, but I, I look back on Sunday, man, and, and I don't blame the game on, sun, on, on Sunday. I don't blame the game on Monday on Darius Slay by any means. No. But... I do have a lot of resentment towards Darius Slay over this game on Sunday and how he guarded DK Metcalf, and I'll tell you real quick why. Being an Eagles fan for as long as I've been, and, and comparatively, as I said, comparatively to the, to the old head Eagles fan, that's nothing. But listen, I've watched a lot of Eagles games in my career, and, and I'll say this, when you're playing a team with a, with a wide receiver like a DK Metcalf, you know, to, to go back in history, like a like Larry Fitzgerald in his prime, you know, like a, a clear wide receiver number one. When they're going up against the Eagles, you kind of just throw your hands up and say, well, that guy's going to go for 100 yards this game. Even when Brian Dawkins was here, I mean, Brian Dawkins was great at not allowing the big play, at at coming up and and being like this hybrid safety who can hard hit and also be a ball hawk in, in the deep zone. But the Eagles have never had that reliable lockdown corner who can just shut down a guy. When the Eagles got Darius Slay, I said to myself, wow, It feels great to know when you're going against a team who's got an elite wide receiver number one, we have that guy who can match him. Now, if DK Metcalf went out on Monday and put up 115 yards with one touchdown, I'd just say, wow, DK really that good. The fact that DK Metcalf put up almost 200 yards, like 177 I think is the exact number, that's bad, man. Like, like, Darius Slice said it himself. I lost every 50-50 ball against DK. It's called a 50-50 ball. You're supposed Dude, to get half of them. Yeah. You against DK, maybe you're going to get 30% of them because it's DK Metcalf.
1: He could be the toughest guy to cover in the NFL.
0: I, I would he agree. very would well
1: be the hardest person to cover in the NFL.
0: And you know what I say to that? Didn't Howie Roseman see the same picture of DK Metcalf you and I saw on Twitter of the guy before draft day? And, and, and here's what gets me every time, because it's easy, like, I, I will give general managers the benefit of the doubt most of the times when they like, like, like Isaiah Thomas, right? He was drafted 60th out of 60th in the NBA draft, not the Isaiah Thomas, the more recent Isaiah Thomas. right DK Metcalf to me seems like the modern day version of that. And I know the NFL draft is way more deeper, seven rounds versus two rounds. But DK Metcalf is kind of the more like, you know, he's like the kind of the more recent version of Isaiah Thomas to me. The difference between Isaiah Thomas and D.K. Metcalf is, is how he rose and went and picked J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And this is like an overdone topic. Like, I know.
1: Yeah, but, we don't need it. Yeah.
0: Right, right, right. But, but I want to break it down into more simpler terms. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is from a Pac-12 school. D.K. Metcalf is from an SEC school. Like, how much more examples – how many more examples do we need to show us that the SEC, that the SEC regarding college football – it's just clearly playing in a different league than all these other schools. Like DK Metcalf to me is the perfect example of a guy who like, look, this guy went to Ole Miss. That's kind of like, like, like that's a step above Vanderbilt as terms of SEC schools. And Vanderbilt is like a joke regarding SEC schools. Look at how much better DK Metcalf is than any other wide receiver out of that draft class. Look at, look, it's just, to me, that shows me, that shows me, the sec is clearly elite it's going to be elite and it's not going to stop being elite as far as talent goes and and maybe to segue those guys well to segue this into another topic makes me feel even better about the tyrese maxi pick
1: like look at all these
0: other kentucky guards i mean tyler hero wasn't regarded as anything special like he was a good player out of college look at how good tyler hero is because that guy played sec sports i don't get it like as someone who has admittedly thrown his hands up and said, look, I'm not a general manager. I'm not a coach. But it seems so obvious to me that the SEC is just a league above all these other schools. You can make a case for the Big Ten. I love the Big Ten. The Big Ten produces close to professional product. But the SEC, regarding football, is and will always be the best product. So, look, Justin Jefferson, another example. Yeah. Look at you like, and I and I and I was I, better than
1: Ceedee Lamb.
0: Better than Ceedee Lamb, and and listen, I love Ceedee Lamb, man. I'm not as his cowboy, as a talent. Like I wanted the Eagles to get Ceedee Lamb, and, and I I'm the I love Jalen Rager. Like I am not ready to write off Jalen Rager, but I will say this: you can't debate it. Justin Jefferson is objectively far and away better than Jalen Rager. And, and look, Justin Jefferson, oh, SEC product. Jalen Rager, Pac-12 product. So. Now that – I'm not ready to write off Jalen Rager. I'm just saying it's just – it's so – it seems obvious to me. Pick guys from the SEC. Pick guys from the Big Ten. Pick guys from the conferences in college who are clearly far and away better than the other conferences, you know, get better results. That's just me. Moving on from the Eagles, we have exhausted the Eagles. And, I mean, deservedly so. There has been so much that's happened negatively – since we've talked about the, 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 the green football team. You know, Hayden, we'll, we'll talk about Rutgers in a bit as they are taking on the bitter, bitter rival, the Nittany Lions. Mm. But there is something I want to talk about regarding not, not the Eagles, but the Philadelphia baseball Phillies. Ugh. And specifically...
1: The second biggest dumpster.
0: Let's not... let's not even focus about the entire dumpster. I want to, I want to focus on what we thought was the one needle in the haystack, if you will. Bryce number three Harper. Okay. This guy, it was hard for me to say a bad word about him. And you had even taken to Instagram in the past to, to say what, what you and I had been thinking. Bryce Harper could not be more different from you and I in every single sense. Mm -hmm. And all that being said, we had nothing but endless love for him. Now, in just the last week, I have to retract some of my love for Bryce Harper. And it's not something that I uh, enjoy doing. But Mm. I can say confidently, this is something that Bryce has brought upon himself to the point where it, it just makes me feel uncomfortable, man. As a Phillies fan, as a Bryce Harper fan, and I wanted to unpack some of it with you here. Now, Bryce Harper, I have learned recently, is, I believe, a Mormon. That's fine. You can be a Mormon. I support many Mormons, including Dan Reynolds of the Imagine Dragons. <laughs> love the Imagine Dragons. And oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> okay, continue. Also recently... Bryce Harper posted something on a story imploring his followers to donate to something that supports QAnon. Now, if you are not aware of what QAnon is, just go ahead. That's on you. Like, you do your own research on that. I'm not explaining that. It's a whole, long story short, it's a whole mess of conspiracy theories and uh, Trumpian lore. And you know, take with that as you will.
1: That to I'm me, worse than, than Trumpy, almost worse than Trumpy and Laura at times. Like, and, yeah, oh, I mean, anyway, yeah, I it's mean, weird. I don't understand how anyone can do that that side of the world.
0: They think JFK Jr. is alive. I mean, if I wanna, if I wanna just break it down into one thing. QAnon genuinely believes that John F. Kennedy Jr. is alive. And, and if he is, I'll admit, I'll be the first in line to say I'm wrong. And you to- can eat crow better than anyone else. Yeah. I, I can eat crow better than anyone else. I will eat crow. I'll be the first in line to eat crow on that one. All right. So let's just, Bryce Harper implored people to donate to a cause that believe in that. They do not believe in uh, COVID. They do not believe in masking up like my friend Hayden, who had to go through it. And he was lucky. And to top things off, he, he – there's, there's recent rumors about the MLB adding, like, like, advertisements to their sleeves, which, honestly, I'm all for. Oh,
1: this one hurt.
0: And, and, and I'm all for it. Like, that's the way the times I, – I don't love it. It takes a bit of away from the game, but the bottom line is this is a business. We, I alluded to that with the Eagles, but Bryce Harper went out of his way to make this comment saying, let's get a Barstool Sports logo on the Phillies hashtag Portnoyer, Team Portnoyer, something along those lines. And, and you know what? The QAnon, the, the, the Mormonism, believe it or not, I was just, I kind of threw my hands up and said, hey, man, that's up to him. Right. But when the, those three things came together within seven days from me, and, and, and that Barstool post was the absolute cherry on top, I had to take a step back and say, wow, this is our guy? Like, this is our Philly guy who's, who's going to be our MVP, our team leader, year in and year out?
1: Should have been Manny Machetto.
0: Like, what is going right in the city anymore, man? Like, it used to be like, oh, well, at least the we flyers. have Bryce Harper.
1: <laughs> we got the Flyers now. That's, that's our thing. Oh, <laughs> and Daryl Morey. <holy> goodness, <laughs> man. No, man, it's, it's awful. I mean, that's awful.
0: Like Right? like That is awful. How can you be so tone deaf? And, and I got to give Bryce Harper credit for his previous actions. He was so pro Philadelphia, almost to a fault. Like I was annoyed when he went up to uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised. It was so corny to me, but it was like, all right, man, this is better than anyone else has ever done. Everyone scoffs at this city. This guy's embracing it. Now he comes into the city and, and is and is leading the QAnon charge, is leading this barstool charge, and and I, I can't help but to push back a little bit, Hayden. I just want to hear like your initial thoughts. Like, come come April, you know, and you're watching Bryce Harper number three hit in the three spot for your Philadelphia Phillies. Will this be in your mind?
1: You know, it's funny because because you you preface this with a thing that I've always believed is true: is that Bryce Harper and I could not be more different as people. But Bryce Harper that. Like that was never a bad thing. He seemed like a family man, mm-hmm. you know, he drove his muscle car and like, you know, whatever. That's not who I am. It's not, I'm not a family man. You know what, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, it's just like, he, he was just a clearly a different guy. And that was okay. Cause he never seemed like a bad guy. Um, the QAnon thing is an objectively bad thing. That's my take. Um, The Mormonism is not an objectively bad thing. It's different, but you know, it's not an objectively bad thing. It's It's a good thing. Sure. The barstool thing is an objectively bad thing. The team Portnoy thing is an objectively bad thing. Like, and you know, Bryce, Hart, he's always been a religious guy. Perfectly fine thing with me. Don't care. Don't care. Good guy. You know what I mean? And you know, whatever religion, good thing. Uh, driving a muscle car. Uh, Wouldn't do it. Don't like hunting or fishing. Not a bad thing. Perfectly good people do all of those wonderful things. Great. I've never met someone who's a perfectly good person who supports a QAnon thing. Um, (laughs) I have met people who are perfectly good people who like barstool, but I will still insult them. (laughs) because if you can go on instagram and type out hashtag team portnoy you have the maturity of a 12 year old and it's a bad look it's a bad look dave portnoy is a is a bad person and i and i despise him and if yeah yeah sure he's makes a lot more money than i do his brand worked whatever don't care i don't care he's a bad person and i hate him And I hate his brand. And if, and if the Philadelphia Phillies trot out there with the bar stool logo on their sleeve, I will not root for them. I will not root for them. That's it. I'm done. And if it's Bryce Harper's fault, he's not our guy. He's not my guy. You can, you can do whatever you want, Bryce. I've, I've liked Bryce. I I've always thought he was a decent guy. He's got a cute family, right? Yeah. He's got his little kid. He's got his nice wife. They got a whole cute thing going on. He's been our guy, but you're right, man. These past few strikes on his record are just atrocious. And, uh, I, I just, mm, it's awful. And and I don't think it'll come to anything and maybe I'll forget about it. And when he, you know, hits a grand slam uh, to walk it off 500 feet, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll be like, Oh, way to go Bryce. But, uh, it, it, it's hard. It's hard because he, he went from being a guy that's different from me and I still like him to being a guy that is harder to respect. And, and that sucks. That sucks when that's your guy. You know what I mean?
0: No, I think, you, I think you described it the best possible way you could describe it because I have this recent – I mean, there's one baseball jersey I own and it's Bryce Harper. Me and too. I got to be honest me with too. you. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I regret it in the last week. I don't really feel like wearing a Bryce Harper jersey anymore. And I'm sure when when the world is a different place and we're at a Phillies game at Saturday at 4 o'clock against the Nationals and they're wearing the alternate cream jerseys, I'm going to be all in on Bryce Harper again. Right. But for the time being, that really does have an impact on me, especially when you go and flip it. Now, let me just flip it on you right now. Let's talk about Carson Wentz, a guy who we have been absurdly critical of his play and you and I we you just touched on it a little bit about about the lifestyle and and I know you and I we're not very religious folks and 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 you just said it completely okay if you are Carson Wentz perfect example guy's got a cute cute family like absurdly cute to the point where I don't even understand (laughs) why he's playing football (laughs) (laughs) lovely wife lovely daughter I mean the guy should just enjoy them while he can that's besides the point as we know, the guy, very religious. Very, he hunts a ton. You and I are not hunters. But what happened this summer with, with the, the George Floyd situation, the, the in, incredible tension, the incredible social reform that came along with that tension, and out of any NFL player. I, and, and I, like, you know, I'm not saying he was the first one to say anything, but I'm saying personally, when I went on the internet, the first person that I saw say anything was actually Carson Wentz.
1: I was so damn proud to be me a Carson too, Wentz fan when he when he released that. It, it was just it was just felt like it, and all of the news that was hard to consume and it was a it was a weird, difficult time. Oh, yeah. And for everyone, you know, and like definitely worse for, for others, different for me, obviously. But to, to go on and see like this is the leader of my team. He comes from a background where you might not expect him to say something like this. And he takes the time to like post a message. I was—I have never been more proud to be a Carson Wentz fan. And you're right. That's an interesting dichotomy. That is an interesting dichotomy.
0: Right. And and that's not and that's not something that anyone's talking about right now because from I mean for many reasons like right there, there are there are in the eyes of a Philadelphia Eagles fan there are much bigger fish to fry with with how bad this team is. But I I honestly just wanted to take a second right here and and, and take a look at how your two superstars of your two big teams are handling this thing. And I mean, you look at guys like Ben and you look at Joel and they might just be too young. And I really think that's the case. They're too young. Joel's having a kid. I don't even know if he knows what he's doing. And Joel, I love him. I'm not trying to say anything bad about it. I'm just saying, I'm, ex- I'm just excusing him and Ben from this entire thing. Cause I didn't really hear anything from him. What I'm saying is, in the wake of, of the insanity that this entire country's gone through and the entire world's gone through in the last year, Carson Wentz has had his thoughts on it. Bryce Harper has had his thoughts on it. And they have been complete opposite directions. Yeah. And both of these men come from similar cuts from what it seems.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And, and, and it just it speaks volumes to me, character right there. And I don't think that's something that should be brushed under the rug. I don't think that's something that, that should be left as a social media post. To me, that, that, that talks about character. And, I, and, and Hayden, I, I tell you, man, like, I talk to these college coaches right now, being in being the place that I am. I, I recently had the opportunity to talk to Coach Tanya Cardoza of the women's basketball team. And I, and I asked her Very about, nice. what's it like to recruit kids in 2020? You know, like, what's it like for a college coach to be recruiting kids when you don't have any games to go off of? Like you're pretty much going off of what they did their junior year and character. And you look at guys like Bryce Harper and you see this character that he exhibits. It's concerning. It's concerning. And I'm not saying he's a bad leader, but I'm saying it's it's a post like that. It's a mindset like that, that just, it's very concerning to me. And then you see the next day him posting about Bryson Stott, you know, the Phillies next prospect. It just makes you take a moment to think, is this the guy that I want to be setting an example to the next generation of Philly stars? And I don't want to be looking too into things, but I also don't think I'm looking too into things when I say Bryce Harper is out here promoting QAnon charities. Like, I, like that sounds like a joke. That's, that's hard. That's a hard look to recover from. Right. Like, saying the word QAnon charities, like, I don't know how I'm not laughing after saying that. But here we are talking about it. And Bryce Harper, this billion dollar man that the Phillies have put all, they, they gave him the keys to the city. Uh, one of the most liberal, one, one of the cities that is struggling most with COVID, one of the cities that is trying to, to do, do better with COVID. And in the wake of all this, you got Bryce Harper imploring his followers to donate to a QAnon charity. That does not sit well with me. But listen, man, I am willing to, like I, like, I don't mean to be, like, a, a forgiver here, but I'm realistic. I'm realistic, man. Like, come October, and the Phillies are making a playoff push, and Bryce Harper's sitting in the Grand Slam, that's not going to be what I'm thinking about. I just want right. to get that out here now. while right. still relevant. This is what I'm thinking. This is what's going on. But we've been talking for a little while. We're going to wrap things up real soon. And, and with some closing thoughts here. It's a, it's a Friday. This episode is going to be released on a Saturday. The game day hmm. of Rutgers University. Now, we've been talking about this team throughout this entire podcast, and I've had some viewers be like, dude, what the hell, man? Like, why do you love Rutgers football? Every single show I do, I bring up Rutgers football pretty much just because I love this team so much. I love Greg Schiano. I love how well they're doing. Hayden, this is the big one. They're playing against Penn State. Tomorrow, as we're recording this, maybe today when I re- – well, it's past midnight right now. They're playing, yeah. they're playing Penn State today. Yes. In our time, this has been, always been the big one. Can our team, Temple of Rutgers, beat Penn State? Now, it has only experienced one time, and that time was before I was a real Temple fan. So, for me, I have never really experienced a true victory against Penn State. I have got the, you know, being an outsider looking and I've been all over Rutgers football. I think they're the real deal. And, and I'm kind of feeling good vibes going into this game against Penn State. Our man on the scene, Hayden Winkler, a Rutgers University student. What are your feelings going into this game? I also
1: feel good. I, I do feel good. Um, listen, Penn State's had a weird, bad year. Um, Rutgers has had a weird, good year. Um, and, you know, you look at Rutgers, we're what, two and four. It doesn't. You look at that, record, you're like, that's not a weird good year, that's a bad year. But um, hard to put into words just how good of a year it's been for Rutgers, especially comparatively. Um, and the last win, uh, well, like you want to talk about, you want to talk about uh, like just asserting yourself and like like just how, like playing the way you want to play, the way Rutgers closed that game. Um, playing power football with a quarterback. Uh, It's just awesome. Uh, And I I have a good feeling. I think Penn State is sad. They're in a sad state of affairs. And and you just look at the way the teams are trending. Listen, Penn State's had their success. They started this year ranked eighth in the country. They are a bad football team. Um, That is a team trending down. And Rutgers is a team that is undeniably trending upward. And if you want to just go on that alone, then – let, let's run with Rutgers. There's a chance we lose the game. You know what I mean? This oh, team yeah. did – Penn State did start the year ranked eighth in the country, well, which well, could mean that in terms of raw talent, they are better than we are.
0: And I, and I certainly don't doubt it. And, and, and Hayden, let me ask – I know you are not – you are far from a gambling man. Let me ask you, what would you assume the current point spread is for this game on Saturday or today? Uh,
1: well, no one's going to give Rutgers the love. So I think Penn State's favored by probably
0: nine or ten points. 11 and a half penn okay. state is favored okay. by 11 and a half points and now, no
1: chance no chance if if penn state wins it's a it's three to seven points it's a, it's one score there's no way it's 11 11 it's no way it's 12 okay to say it's no there's no way it's 12 um, I, I think if penn state wins it's a close game
0: man i look i i just i feel good about this game and i'm not going to go as far as saying this is a definite Rutgers win but I think Greg Schiano, he's the better coach in this game between James Franklin and Greg Schiano. and I also think Greg Schiano, Greg Sciano no idiot Greg Schiano knows his next coming years coaching against Penn State are going to be very tough right this is a down here for Penn State no doubt and you said it yourself the raw talent on Penn State is probably better but let's make no mistakes about it in the next five years or so this is without a doubt Rutgers' best opportunity to chop that wood and beat Penn State. Chop it I, up, baby.
1: Family trust chop, FTC.
0: I'm so excited for this game, man. And maybe that comes as a product of covering foot, Temple football all year, like having just, like, nothing to root for. Oh, man. I am excited for this Rutgers versus Penn State match. If you are listening to this podcast, if you have the fortune of listening to this podcast before noon on College Football Saturday, Forget about all the games. forget about any good ma- Alabama LSU was a game. who cares? Alabama's favored by thirty points.
1: LSU was terrible
0: <laughs> turn that game off right now don't right? watch
1: that don't you dare watch that
0: Rutgers Newman. versus Penn State is the matchup you should have your eyes locked on this weekend it's because this is Rutgers one chance I'm sorry, Hayden that's no disrespect. I think you know that's the truth like. This is really Rutgers, I feel, one chance to, like, beat Penn State, hold it against them forever. I cannot wait for it.
1: I'm, I'm super excited. They, they, I mean, you want to talk about games against the perfect villain. Penn State, eh, we hate them, but they are the perfect villain. They, perfect villain. they are a great villain. Um, I, I have respect for what they've done in the past. I've been, I've been mean to them because I relentlessly hate Penn State. Um, I've been mean to them, but I do have respect for what James Franklin does in the past. I think he's a loser. I don't think, I think Penn State would be smart to move on from him, which is harsh because he's clearly a good college football coach. Key but I think, Penn, <laughs> I think Penn State would be smart to move on from him. And I would like nothing more than Greg Schiano's boys to come in there and Chop down the Penn State tree and, uh, and make them look silly and, and certify that we are better than them this year. We already have them by a game in terms of record in the Big Ten East. Um, so to give them by two games and say, yes, we are better than you, Ah, man, there would be nothing better than a team started this year, eighth in the country, to, to say, we are two football games better than you and we're Rutgers University. Your fans have said we don't belong in the Big Ten. You're, you've said all this. And Greg Schiano comes back, and he's gonna chop you up. I, I just, ah, oh, it would just taste so sweet. It would be like, it would be like nectar. I'm giddy. We're giddy. We're giddy. You tradition. got
0: me excited for this. It was the, it was the. Your fans said we don't belong in the Big Ten. That's what got me going. Oh. I want oh
1: it. I want goodness. it so bad. Uh, we belong. We're gonna prove we belong. We're gonna continue to prove we
0: belong. That's not a noon game, is it?
1: Uh, it might be. Oh. Yeah, it's It's a. It's a, it's oh. a noon it's a game. It's in, it's in 11 hours. No. <laughs> it's don't a tell me game. this is
0: a new game.
1: It's in 11 hours.
0: I don't know if I can get myself ready for that. All right, it's at noon. I'm going to have to drink a cup of coffee or three because, man, you got my juices flowing. <laughs> yeah, you got to get is, up for that. And, I mean, look, golly. I mean, we all know. I, it doesn't take an idiot to hear the, the slander that Rutgers has faced in the last few years. Rutgers is kind of the laughing stock of the NCAA, and they deserve it as a result of Kyle Freaking Ash. The guy sucks. I don't care. I'll say it. The guy Chris, can ruin my career if he wants. Kyle Flood. <laughs> Kyle Flood. Kyle
1: Flood, say. Chris Ash. You Chris did it <laughs> You're a name mastermind.
0: You're the mashup mastermind. <laughs> I'm <a> mashup mastermind. <laughs> no, he, Kyle Flood was an was excellent coach. coach and bridge between Greg Schiano no. and Greg. I will defend Kyle Flood's honor, okay? Because someone had to bridge that okay, gap between Greg Shiano and Greg Shiano. And Kyle Flood was the only one who could do it at all.
1: <laughs> Chris Ash could not do it. You're right. Chris, you are right about that.
0: Exactly. So based on that, I will tip my cap to Kyle Flood. I will also doff my cap to DK Metcalf and say he is going to be the new Megatron. And, and, I, was, and I was hard on Darius Slay. but He's so good. He is so freaking good. And I doth my captain DK Metcalf. That's, a, that's also a slight at, at Howie. Hayden, that's going to do it for us, man. This was a long overdue pod, and we went a little bit over, but that's, it's just because it was a long overdue. It was a pleasure. I think, I think what, what was done had to be done. I would say so. too. We didn't even touch on the NBA, which, like get, I mean. We'll get there next week. Exactly. There's not I, much to touch on yet. Look, I'll say this. The Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade was like the biggest trade that no one's ever talked about. I still haven't heard anyone talk about it. It's been two days, but we will not be the first to talk about it. So listen, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us. I hope you're listening to it bright and early this morning, and you can catch that Rutgers Penn state game. Hayden, give us your, I'm not going to dish out an official prediction as I do not follow the team that closely dish out an official score that you're predicting for the game.
1: 26, 17
0: Scarlet Knights. Wow. That's a win. That's a cover Rutgers Scarlet Knights football. Good teams win. Great teams cover. And hayden has got them winning. Guess They're good. And great.
1: Yep. They're both. They're both. And,
0: and, and one concluding thought, I know I'm, I'm going on here. Who, who, who takes most snaps at quarterback for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights?
1: It's gotta be Johnny Lang and Johnny football. I mean, the third string going into the season pound it pound it down their throats he is he's beautiful i loved and i love all three of them i think there's a lot about noah vedrel that's redeeming i think art's arm is the best arm in the quarterback arsenal for sure um so if you want to throw the ball turn it to my buddy my pal art sitkowski who i just love friend of the pod Um, but but taking the most snaps and pounding the football into the nittany lions defense give me johnny football johnny langan
0: all right I love it. That's going to wrap it up for us. And for those who don't know about Rutgers football, a bit of a QB controversy over there. They got three quarterbacks who they're just rotating. Like it is week nine Three
1: capable quarterbacks.
0: What is it? Week and eight in big 10. Yeah. Week eight or so in big 10 and Rutgers football still doesn't have a definite quarterback. And it is not for the reason that temple football did not have a quarterback. Rutgers has three overly capable quarterbacks, Temple unfortunately was not able to find a single quarterback, and it's crazy that I'm saying this as my closing thoughts. But Anthony Russo entered the transfer portal for Temple. He will no longer be the quarterback of for the Owls. Got a text notification right from as I'm Anthony wrapping Russo.
1: up
0: from Russo himself <laughs> saying, "Hey man, not going to be playing for Temple anymore." Oh, he is just
1: woo! he's mad. He's steaming mad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, look i'm excited to see russo play not at temple listen that's gonna wrap it up for us we are dumpster divers stick with us we'll be back following this week of football we got a lot to talk about eagles wise ruckers football wise as apparently we have turned into a Rutgers football podcast as well i'm josh saffron hayden winkler thank you for joining me from your house in beautiful donaldstown pennsylvania this time To you and the family, including the Dean of Rutgers University, Matt Winkler, have an excellent night. (laughs) And from me, have an excellent night, have an excellent day, and always, go Rutgers, beat Penn State.